Cinema Boys to Cinema in episode 42. 42, yeah. Level 42. <laughs> the answer is the Chinese way and level 42. Anyway. <laughs> A little partridge reference. I uh, hope you're well, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Uh, it's Lanthimos. Yes. For those listening uh, to the outro of the last episode. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully that makes sense. That yeah. Because otherwise we, we would have just said it's Lanthimos. <laughs> it's yeah. Lanthimos time. It's <laughs> Lanthimos um, time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So... Uh, this week, well, yeah, I got, oh, fuck it, I'll say this week. Yeah. Poor things. Yep. But preceding that, a conversation about some of his other, other films. Yeah. Uh, because I think he's a very, he's an interesting filmmaker that has um, broken into Hollywood in a way that is, I'm sort of hesitant to say mainstream, I don't think that's the case at all, but I definitely think he's bridging the gap between the more sort of independent side of Hollywood and, yeah, and the I, mainstream. I feel like he's sort of, people are going to seek him out, actors like Colin Farrell and Emma Stone, they're probably going to seek him out and want to work with him. Sort of that kind of guy is a very kind of heavily sort of auteur focus, isn't he? Yeah, his films have definitely got something distinctive about them which would mm. you know fit in line with the theory, yeah, auteur definitely. theory. Yeah. Um, but no, an interesting filmmaker with some, you know, an interesting body of work to discuss. Yeah, absolutely. So we can do that. Yeah. And then, of course, review the film as well, mm. uh, which I saw last night, so it's still uh, very fresh. Interesting, yeah. I saw it about a week ago, actually. Just Still fresh? Just, just under it. Yeah, it left a, an impact. Uh, yes, likewise. Left a bit of a crater. Not a bad crater, though. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Largely, largely so for me. Yeah. I really enjoyed it uh, in parts. Came out of the cinema sort of thinking, yeah, that was really good. Mm-hmm. And after I've slept on it and thought about it, it's sort of waned a little bit for me. Yeah, okay. Um, so I will get into that in the sort of the review chunk yes. of the episode. All right then, sounds uh, good. But let's talk about Lanthimos. Yes. In in a bit, in, in a now? second. Yeah, yeah right now. now. Yeah, 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 go on. Questing the cinematic void. Okay then, Yorgos. Yep. So I've touched on it earlier. Someone that occupies quite an interesting space in the landscape of Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily Hollywood, but sort of film the film industry more broadly. Mm. In the sense that, I don't know, I feel like I sort of need to justify what I said in the intro a little bit. But I feel like when he makes a movie, there is a sense, there's, a, there's an appeal that is broader than just people that are into movies. Right? Yeah. yeah there are some filmmakers yeah. that you think deserve to be acknowledged a lot more, but only tend to be known by people that are quite into film. Mm. Right? Yeah, yeah. But... Lanthimos is very different. I think he has built this sort of um, aura about him through his work yeah. that I think a lot of people find sort of, I don't know, sort of deviate significantly from the sort of norms that they're perhaps more used to. Mm. But it's presented in a way that is, I guess, digestible. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think I, I think a lot of people would, would sort of contest that on the basis of how he approaches his films and the sensibilities and the subject matter. And I would agree with that in his early work, but I think certainly in this film, uh, Poor Things, there's a lot more, of, there's a sense of broader appeal, certainly Definitely. in the humour. Yeah, absolutely in the humour. Um, and I think that sort of, for me, strengthens my belief that he has become this sort of very recognisable modern filmmaker that can sort of um, tap into the consciousness of people that aren't necessarily, not aware, but, you know, people that aren't 
avid film fans, shall we say, for the sake of ease, of the lack of a better term. Yeah, no, no, agreed. I think um, he's... Yeah, this film, Poor Things, I mean, we'll talk about it more later, but the narrative is quite straightforward, actually. Like, yeah. It's, it's yeah. very easy to follow. Uh, you could say the same about The Favourite as well. Like, yeah, that's yeah. very kind of typical... I mean, it's shot in an unusual fashion, and there's a lot of kind of uh, experimental aspects to that film. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the story, it's, it's just Queen Anne, right? Like, and yeah, what she, yeah. He's clearly fascinated by that element of uh, English history. And even though he's from Greece, like you can tell he sort of wants to be a member of the National Trust. <laughs> he, <laughs> he loves he loves like Baroque, that kind of Baroque stylings and yeah, sort of the interiors yeah. of uh, British country houses, right? That yeah, yeah. I think that he's even yeah. Poor things. It's Victorian, so oh know, yeah. I mean, like, there's a there's a, a real long obsession with that, isn't there? There's like a Barry Lyndon style scene uh, near the end when um, uh, Emma Stone's character, I've forgotten her fucking name already, Bella uh, Baxter. Bella Baxter. Yeah, when Bella is sort of with her uh, husband from a previous life. Um, yeah, 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 and she's he's eating and it's a grotesque scene but the way he shoots it he's simultaneously fascinated by the kind of the architecture yeah, of this yeah. of this kind of uh, Victorian house <laughs> yeah 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 um Anyway, I digress a little bit. Yeah, I mean, Killing of a Sacred Deer is pretty... I don't remember a lot about that film at all, uh, but that's pretty out there, if I remember correctly. It's the only one of his I haven't seen. Oh, yeah. And, sure, and no, sorry. no, it's okay. Yeah. And, and, and It's really weird. Usually, if we're going to discuss a director and the films are fairly accessible, I tend to buy them mm. and watch them, but I just completely forgot about yeah. this film until you mentioned it when you sat down. <laughs> about a couple of hours ago and I was like shit I remember it Um, being odd and I don't remember a lot else I actually think that's probably indicative of my long standing opinion on it okay it's reasonably forgettable yeah Um, and the fact I forgot about it says something maybe but then I was talking to Alex mm, about it and he said he was it's one of his favourites of his so there you go yeah definitely we'll check it out it's a bit stupid of me not to considering that's what we're talking about (laughs) Um, but yeah no I, I think particularly in the case of poor things there's a broader appeal to the film. Mm. The twisted and dark elements in the film are slightly more performative, okay, uh, yeah. and not quite as sort of embedded in the narratives of his previous films. Yeah, thematically speaking, he's going for the Elephant Man, and he's not quite reaching it. Would, no, would not yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting way to put it. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more, but I think just for the context of establishing his position now as a filmmaker, mm, and yeah. you know, let's go back obviously to his films in his native Greece. Yes, uh, sort of exploded onto the scene <laughs> oh. uh, with Dogtooth yes uh, which I really love same I think it's great I, um, a lot actually it came out it was I think it was really popular in the western I'd say western obviously Greece is technically part of that ilk but it's not often that you find a Greek film breaking quite so forcefully into the that those the sort of English and American realm, yeah, <laughs> yeah, realm. no, that's, that's a fair, yeah, that's a fair remark. But yeah. it got him work in, you know, in the UK and in the US, and it mm. kind of created a market for him. Um, do you remember the, this is horrible? Do you remember the Fritzel thing? Yeah, do you remember that? Oh that was, yeah, I think that was around the same time because I think he got arrested in two thousand and nine, which is when Dogtooth came out. Oh really? So I, I actually think in a horrible, horrible. <laughs> twisted way that helped the film a little bit <laughs> because of the the nature of the story right yeah, okay the, yeah, yeah the fact that it was so shocking that what this guy had done to his sort of daughters and and his family 
and then to have a film coming out with a reasonably similar premise uh, aka some a family member kind of taking control of his children and yeah, presenting yeah. like uh a very warped different and simplistic view of the entire world onto them and bringing up in that bringing them up in that way and kind of not exposing them to anything in particular right other yeah, than yeah, plastic yeah. planes and stuff um, yeah yeah uh, i just thought the the timing of that whilst that that some shocking horrible stories in the public consciousness sort of gave the film some legs <laughs> possibly you know I mean? yeah, maybe yeah. in that context yeah yeah i might be wrong but who knows yeah no i mean it's a it's a very I mean, it's a very chilling film. It's yeah. sort of bizarrely, it's very you know, sort of funny. Mm. Uh, and again, when we talk about the context of poor things, the sort of comedic elements begin to feel more performative and less mm. important to the plot. I think it's really important to the plot in this film. Yeah, the yeah. The sensibilities of it. You know, in the sense that the characters, certainly the young women, uh, you know, their whole understanding of the wider world has been sculpted by one person and one person alone. Yes, yeah. And that gives the, the off-kilter... It sort of strengthens the off-kilter, dark mm. sensibilities within the film. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's a few very difficult scenes in terms of violence, which is you know part of his bread and butter as well. Self-inflicted. Yes, it is, yeah. Knocking their teeth out, yes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With a rock or something. Yeah, Horrible. yeah. Kind of like Castaway, actually. <laughs> yeah, there you go, yeah. It's the same in that. <laughs> but, yeah. Does he use like the... Um, he uses an ice... Yeah, an ice skate. Ice skate and, yeah. uh, and a rock, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I can't remember what the implements are in... in, in, in I remember being in front of a bathroom mirror. Yes, I remember. I remember that. Oh, was it with a dumbbell? Oh, it was, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember yeah, the way that the blood squirts onto the mirror was like hyper realistic, yeah, and really yeah. uncomfortable, yeah. and quite an achievement in a strange way. Yeah, yeah. From presumably prosthetics or special visual effects, I'm not sure. But, yeah. I mean, it, it, it sort of like in terms of his approach, you know, as a filmmaker and the themes and the sort of stylistic choices that permeate throughout his filmography, it's sort of the it sounds silly to say it's his sort of first film but it's the perfect starting point because you can see how those have changed in his mm. in his career you know the film his films have always sort of committed to uh characters that are alienated in some way by their surroundings yeah you know be that literally quite literally by the by the um in the you know in the sense that they're trapped by a father a paternal mm. figure mm. uh or people that are trapped by their grief and can't move on as in the Alps yeah, or yeah. characters that can't fit in into the sort of traditional norms and expectations around relationship and sexuality the mm. lobster yeah you know like alienation mm. seems to be a real sort of common theme alienation against the backdrop of society and what yeah. society expects of you in terms oh, of your knowledge and how you interact with it mm. not just in your sort of behavior but how you the decisions you make in your life yeah yeah and i think that's something that's in the context of his earlier work i think is really strong and works really really well yeah you could even say in the favorite there's a degree of alienation in terms of Sexuality, yeah, you know, definitely, um, and uh, the which idea is of... a theme that grows, particularly in in in, in <laughs> oh, uh, poor, poor things, things. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, 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 big time. Um, so I think that's something. These are things that are clearly sort of very strong pillars in his work, mm. and watching them change, yes, is is quite fascinating. As he goes into these, into as you say, he broke into the sort of Western consciousness, yeah, and now he resides here quite comfortably in terms of his films. Mm. I think he still holds on to those sort of values, but it's only natural that those things would change 
yeah. uh, the more money you get given. Uh, yeah. And then what comes with that is a sort of uh, an expectation of how you know of making your sort of approach more palatable. I yeah, guess. and it's I mean it works. It, yeah, it, yeah, it works in the case of poor things especially, and also arguably the favourite as well. Like it because that was a big Oscar contender. I mean, it got Olivia Coleman an Oscar. That oh was, shit! Of course it did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. like that was a big. I feel like that's one of those films which was big for. for for its award season and then has receded a little bit yeah, into obscurity. Yeah, 2017? 2018, I think. Oh, shit, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, Fuck! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it has, the favourite has kind of faded away a little bit, whereas something like The Lobster, which I know you want to chat about in a lot more detail in a, in a bit, has uh, kind of stayed with people. Yeah, I do more. think it's his better recent film. Mm, yeah. As far as like his, I still think it's his best film in terms of like a foray into... I know we say Greece is obviously West, partly a Western country, but into you know Western culture as we know it, you know, yeah, English yeah. language, Western US, culture. US, UK, basically. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, in, it, as a foray into that, I think it's still his best movie. Mm, yeah, um, agreed. I think. Um, and I haven't seen Killing the Sacred Deer, uh, and I know a lot of people that weren't as hot on it compared to his other work. But obviously, the jury's out for that for me until I watch it, which I hopefully be very soon. So I might actually buy it. <laughs> It's funny, so it's I just, ends. yeah, I genuinely um, can't remember that film at all. I remember Bar- Barry Keoghan's in it. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I, Who's and, obviously fucking huge now. Yeah, right? yeah, you know, big time. In terms um, of, uh, as an actor, not in terms of height. Yeah. <laughs> he's, grown, he's grown significantly. Yeah, he's massive. Physical he, height. He's just, you just can't stop him. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. Um, had to and, move house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's had to move to one of those really, those flats at Edinburgh that have really high seats. Yeah, 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 yeah. And even then he's... I mean, he's pushing this. He's pushing the top. it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's got. He's, Poor Barry. <laughs> and Colin, well, Colin Farrell's in that as well. Um, I think he plays a dentist or something. Is he a heart surgeon? Yeah, that's slightly different. <laughs> I think it's well, dental can't remember it. to heart health, Ben. <laughs> yeah, that's like very told true. constantly. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Constantly. I don't get told that a lot. I don't know every why morning. Every morning. Yeah, phone. Just wake up. Yeah, phone call. <laughs> Mysterious. Dentist. There's really blood in your toothpaste, right? Yeah. <laughs> right, that will. Um, yeah, I, 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 again, I don't. I'm not seeing the film, but I think because the opening of the film is a heartbeat, isn't it? Yeah, I think. Yeah, which cool I, title. I mean, like, mm. you know, but I just, yeah, literally can't remember anything about it. Which is, yeah, like I say, I, I don't think I'm gonna be talking about it that much. Because, okay, well, uh, good for me. Yeah, too. yeah, just because it one of those films that's. Not, not stay with me at all. But um, there's something yeah. very grotesque about his films, you know, the, uh, and the sort of grotesque nature of behaviour. Yeah, but it's yeah. almost often, you know, in in its relationship to the environment, there's something grotesque about expectation mm. as well. Yeah, the violence yeah. in his film seems an extension of that. Oh, completely. And I yeah. think that's something that's also strong in his films because they all have a moment of violence it's like fucking hell yeah <laughs> sort oh of comes out of nowhere and you're like oh oh yeah I forgot that he does this you yeah know? yeah he's quite good at sort of settling you down in the sort of wrapping you up in the sort of relative comfort of his off-kilter comedy because there is something strangely quite comforting about it and oh, then I he just so. hits you with violence particularly in like Dogtooth and the Lobster I think yeah that yeah when she really... falls off jumps off the yeah jumps out the window doesn't she yeah, yeah that's yeah, right it's yeah. pretty horrible <laughs> and the bit in uh Poor things. We stabbed. She stabs the corpse's eyes. 
Oh Jesus! Yeah, yeah. I, came yeah. Out of nowhere. I was like, "Fucking hell!" I mean, there's a lot of surgical kind of prosthetics in it, which yeah, are quite grotesque. Yeah. But the way he presents them is almost like farcical. And then when when one of them gets defiled all of a sudden by yeah. Emma Stone, it's like, "Oh yeah, Jesus!" Oh, yeah, yeah. uh, okay. I forgot yeah. that this is like an explicit eighteen. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, a way, what a way to be reminded. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he had, he is like yeah the way he presents violence is like very very unique and very unexpected as it should be because violence quite often is and it's meant to be kind of shocking and quite often it isn't you, you know I think like the way that violence is employed is is kind of there's a suspense beforehand where you can feel yeah, it coming yeah, and he yeah. just doesn't like doing that at all he likes just coming out of nowhere yeah it. it sort of supplements the nature of it, the very sort of thematic intention of his films you know mm. to make you feel again I sort of said it was kind of comforting but I guess the intention is you know, that off kilter sensibility and then just to wallop you with some yeah. violence out of nowhere <laughs> yeah you know if I think about his films and I think I've already said this but yeah The Lobster for me is certainly my favourite of his bar Dogtooth mm. I also really like a film he did called The Alps oh was that before Dogtooth uh, or was that in the interim he kind of went back to Greece uh, no yeah it's it's it was 2011 Alps oh so what right after Dogtooth two years after yeah uh, okay yeah yeah fair um, play I've and, not seen that one actually. no it, it, it's pretty good I mean it's mm. the idea is that these people play so it's a bit they're like a business almost or a collection of individuals more I should say called yeah. out the or Alps mm. and it's their job to fill the roles of people that have passed away to help people deal with grief oh god okay so very it's, like, it's a very yeah, yeah, yeah. Lanthimos <laughs> thing and that yeah that, that's pretty good too mm. like it it sort of it isn't quite it's one of his more awkward films I think it's definitely there's a more of a sort of commitment to awkwardness as you can imagine like the this is very lobstery right yeah this is, it sounds yeah. like it it's a very similar in terms of its concept and in a kind of institution that offers the a service right yeah yeah <laughs> it's almost like a ground level it's almost like an acting troupe oh you know right, it's like okay. a, yeah it's really <laughs> I mean if memory serves cor- correctly anyway that's what it is oh man um yeah, I, I liked that too. But in terms of like ranking his films, I would say that probably Dogtooth still my favourite. But I really, I thought the Lobster was a real, really great achievement. Yeah, uh, and a real successful breakout into English speaking language films mm. and, and retaining his values as a filmmaker, which I think as many filmmakers can attest to, mm. it's very fucking difficult to do. Yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah, especially if you got like Rachel Weisz and Colin Farrell on board. Yeah. And, and Coleman as well uh, is in The Lobster yeah, briefly. She Not yeah, yeah. Much, she sort but... of plays the sort of hotel owner, doesn't she? Yeah, or that's manager right. or something. Mm. Um, I, I love, I do love The Lobster. I love its uh, how sweet it is at points. Yeah, and how Which he can also do really well. He can, yeah, yeah. I feel like he attempts to do that in poor things and succeeds not as much, but still. You know, it's still a reasonably like you kind of become emotionally attached to Baxter as she's growing up. Yeah, but yeah, there's something about the lobster which is, I mean, the the simple choice of giving Colin Farrell a moustache and glasses, which make his uh, and a paunch. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and he it, they make his eyes a bit more bug-eyed than you than he usually yeah, is. Yeah. He's usually he's quite a handsome chap, for Colin yeah. Farrell, and he's yeah, aged yeah. quite gracefully as well. Um, so to see him in that context is really interesting, and then him 
the the poster is even really striking. Him hugging no one. Yeah, I was yeah. really cool. Uh, yeah, I think that's really central to, to the film's success is his, his role because I think it's a departure from the usual kind of performances we'd seen from him prior. Mm, yes, um, yeah, absolutely. And I think to see him in that role, I think it was a role that gave him that you know that other side that I think he's exploring in mm. the other films subsequently. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah, and yeah. I think. Yeah, he's he's very cute in the film, he as is. opposed to this sort of hard-edged symbol of some sort of authority. Be that in like a film like SWAT Team, or SWAT. <laughs> do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Samuel L. Jackson in that. I've got a feeling he is. He also he always had that ability, Farrell. Like, I mean, if you watch Phone Booth, he starts out as this kind of like hard grafting, sort of clearly coke, bit of a cokehead, sort of in New York. He's a publicist, isn't he? And oh yeah, humanity yeah, yeah, gradually yeah. revealed. So he can do that, but yeah, even in like in Bruges as well. Oh, as you mate. said, yeah, 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 in Bruges, there are some I'm moments where he really shows that sort of vulnerability. Yeah, and what a better way to showcase it in than in a film about? Uh, it's almost like the tap just gushing vulnerability, yeah. isn't it? Con- the compound, the idea of the compound is is just so simple, but like so well executed. Yeah, yeah, isn't it? Isn't it that they? They go to this compound. If they don't meet anyone, they get killed. Is Turned that right? into an animal. Turned into an animal. Yeah, yeah. 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 But effect. I kind of always thought that it was effectively they were sort of dying. Yeah, uh, yeah. Or the animal thing is that weird. That I almost forgot that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but like, I do remember there being a lot of shots of ducks in it, and yeah, it was yeah. clear that they were once people that were yeah, in the compound. Yeah. Um, very. That's very good. That they wear these like green raincoats. Which bl- help them blend into the background of the forest at one point. Oh I don't yeah, know if I just remember. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're like a silent disco in the woods. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. Lisa Dew's in that scene. Is she? Oh, I'm pretty sure oh, she is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She isn't she? I think so. Um, I'm trying to remember. Let me let me have a. I yeah. would bet thirty-eight p that she is. Okay, that's uh... I'm just trying to remember the amount of change I found in my pocket this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Her, yeah. Cool. I forgot about that bit. I just I remember the ending being quite good as well. Like the don't they, they just get away and they're in a cafe or something? Yeah, yeah. And they just kind of look at each other. Oh, that was really sweet. And he di- he does the same. He's quite fond of a semi open ended situation. Yeah, like yeah, with yeah. Dogtooth, uh, she's in the boot of a car, isn't she? Mm-hmm. And you don't know whether she's going to get out. Uh, in the favourite, she is looking at. Uh, rabbits. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, and it all yeah. goes a bit. Um, it's like a kaleidoscopic, kaleidoscope. yeah, 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 sort of descent into rabbit anatomy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> fond of animals, I guess. Yeah, yeah, there's that too. Yeah, if you think about it, in in, in poor things, there's... oh mate, the the animals and poor things are hilarious. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, I love that adaptation of the Frankenstein mythology. Yeah, yeah. Kind yeah. of recontextualized so so it's just some some kind of rich bloke in Victorian London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just experimenting and having a kind of swath of students follow him and his yeah. work. Uh, I I thought that was great. Really yeah. Cool. Nice I know there's a novel and it's based on a novel. Yeah, but, so in uh, Scotland, right? Yeah, I that's believe. right. Yeah, Scotland yeah, yeah. and it doesn't follow Bella Baxter nearly as much. Hence things not thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. I just think that was a bit of an odd title, considering it is following pretty exclusively like Bella and her. Yeah, plight. yeah, yeah. But um, I mean, whatever works, really. I mm. guess. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, well, we've talked about poor things a lot. Let's just get into it. Yeah. All right. Um, sort of said earlier, really enjoyed it. Came out the cinema, pretty high on it. I was like, yeah, good. 
uh, waned for me a little bit. What what are your sort of overall sort of initial thoughts? Um, I remember, yeah, thinking it's funny because I I was I had these thoughts very much as I was in the cinema, and it hasn't really changed for me that much. Uh, I remember the first twenty minutes being quite tough for me, thinking like this is quite broad. This is quite. I, I get. I like the the fisheye stuff. I like the cinematography. I thought Emma Stone was too much. It was, her performance was just too much for me. I was like, this is like just confrontationally bizarre. Um, she's playing a baby, right? The the idea is that she's got had a baby's brain transplanted into like a twenty three year old's body, and it was just odd. And I didn't quite. I wasn't on board with it. But then as she kind of developed and became effectively a woman, I, I got a lot more invested in her and I was a lot more felt a lot more sort of sympathy towards her. Okay, and, yeah, yeah. And that's when the film started really picking up steam, I thought. Uh it was just yeah, that opening was quite unexpected. I know and I was you know, I seen the trailer so yeah, I was. Yeah, been, the watershed have been showing that trailer for like the last three, four months. Yeah, they have. Yeah, to avoid yeah. It. Oh man, <laughs> I, forgot. I think there's been a lot of, you know, I think it's you know from a lot of sort of independent cinema standpoint, I think this is the film that a lot of them are pinning their hopes on mm, and, and right. getting some revenue. That's the only thing, you know, what I mean because, yeah. you know, sure. it, it, it fits that criteria being able to be played in independent or more arty cinemas, but yeah. also is going to pull more than just the sort of. Yeah, people like me and you, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, you're not right. anything wrong with us. No, no, no. But, but uh, do you know what I mean? Like, obviously, I think a lot of cinemas are, are pinning a lot of their sort of hope on this. I think I can, and, I can see that. Yeah, uh, Avon Meads again, notoriously quiet. Although mm. definitely getting busier since the demise of um, Cinema Deluxe. Yeah. Good riddance. R.I.P. Um, but um, I mean, good riddance. <laughs> <laughs> um, but sold out. Oh, sold really? Out yeah. For the in, second time in a row I've been there and it's been sold out. In Avonmeads? Mm-hmm. Oh my God. It's been yeah. a long time since I've experienced any film getting sold out. Well, I mean, it's it's always been, you know, the quietest... Yeah. One of the quietest cinemas in Bristol. Like, Yeah. The view's pretty quiet as well. That's where I usually go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Home from work. Well, it's just um, those sort of industrial park cinemas. They, they were very popular when we were kids, but obviously mm. when a lot of cinemas moved into... Or multiplexes could be sort of moved into city centres, into yeah. shopping centres. They obviously lost their business. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I guess since the showcase, the demise of the city centre showcase, I think it's coming back, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, which is great because it's a great little cinema, and um, I think so. Vastly superior to its more modern counterpart, <laughs> now deceased. So I can understand that, that a lot of cinemas are, are pinning their hopes on it. Um, no, I think yeah, that's smart. It is a good one to overmarket, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, it, you know, we talk about, uh, it, you know, him as a filmmaker. He's definitely fit. He fits that mold. Yeah, you know. And I think the film fits the mold quite well. I just think when I when I when I sort of say about the the dark elements, I think there are some dark elements that are handled quite interestingly and quite well, mm. and it ties with the humor quite nicely. But I found the film over-egged it quite yeah, a lot, and okay. it started to feel quite performative mm. uh, and not so essential to the plot or the development of what the sort of story is trying to do. And I think there were a couple of moments where there could have been a bit more of a commitment to it, okay, and they sort yeah. of pull away just for sort of to make a sort of a, you know a, an easy joke. Yeah. Um, for example, what? the the general being a goat at the end. I think they could have done something darker with that, oh, yeah. and that felt like a bit of like a 
a sort of last minute obviously it wasn't I, I, I yeah. you know obviously but i just felt that it was like oh okay you sort of already that joke already feels like it's been done i don't know no i think yeah you're right that is a bit it's a bit much because i mean you're kind of conditioned to hate this guy yeah right, rightly so he's a horrible bloke. yeah he's like some sort of the sort of classic highly act- traditionalist even yeah. for that era right? an antagonist of of you know what you would probably see find commonplace in many sort of books of the time you know mm. and, and like an enemy of progress a sort yeah, of yeah. a relic of like a sort of nationalist <laughs> traditional ideology that is sort of poisonous to any kind of social progression or societal progression simultaneously very rich as well that yeah the yeah double whammy isn't it and they're always eating always the rich people yeah. always sitting yeah. down eating all the time and their conversations are always held at a dinner table where they're they're like their attention is never fully on yeah, the yeah. person chatting to them. There's, Very overt. Oh, big time. I it mean, was ridiculously overt. It, it's I like guess. the cherry tomatoes and Lord of the Rings, right? It's the same thing. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no miss behind. <laughs> that bit, yeah. Yeah, yes. Yeah, oh, oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> shut up, Pippin. <laughs> yeah, I, I do think the film sort of surrenders itself a little bit to being too on the nose. Mm. It's um, an odd mixture. Because the yeah, like the humor is really broad, I and mean, it's meant to be. And I get there's some really funny bits in it. Yeah, mostly from Mark Ruffalo. If oh, I'm being honest, he's so good in this film. He's yeah, at, he's one of the best things about it. I think. Yeah, yeah. By my, um, I mean Emma Stone's great. Don't be wrong. Defoe's mm. great. And the script, in terms of its execution of some of the jokes, is really, really good. It doesn't yeah. really matter who's saying it. But I think in terms of delivery. And doubling down on 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 what's being asked of him, um, yeah, you can't really. <laughs> there's no one better in this film, I don't think. Yeah, oh, he's just he he's like the centerpiece for the sort of maybe forty five minute mark onwards, and then he he does wane towards the end because there's other stuff for Bella to get through. But his kind of you're sort of with him at one point because he's the one that's going to whisk her away and show yeah. her the world and then the, the way that sours is just so pitch perfect and and he he doesn't ever lean into it being tragic or or troubling to the because you for a start you know that Bella's kind of got this spark of independence and, and a, a lack of uh, any shame that it's not going to affect her anyway but her him hopelessly trying to win her affections and then it becoming quite sinister was just yeah, the way yeah. he played that. The way excellent. he sort of plays this role of being this sort of, uh, you know, having this sort of subservient anti-society attitude, you know, yeah, like yeah. he's you know profoundly anti-society or high society, but then he goes to reveal himself as someone that's actually very comfortable in high society. Yes, yes. And the way, you know, the way he deploys that is just a tool to sort of like make him attractive <laughs> to exactly women yeah. that are, probably feeling as alienated by it mm. as he is or, or as he proclaims to be anyway yeah yeah <laughs> um, but no no I think he is he was yeah one of the strongest elements of the film uh again I, we talked about the sort of Frankenstein elements I really liked those as well mm, yeah I liked too. the presentation of uh Victorian London same um I think it was really good I weirdly wasn't as keen on like Lisbon Oh really? I, I I don't know. Like I just the, thought, it, yeah, it'd have been interesting to sort of like have like a sort of not not on location because that's obviously something you can't do. Yeah, yeah. But it, I don't know. It felt a bit. I don't know. I I wasn't as keen on that sort of element. I can understand why it becomes almost a bit 
Tim Burton almost. Yeah. In a way. Yeah, yeah. In, not in not in a good way, like in a quite candy esque kind of. Which I guess is the sweet. point because that's the way she sort of she's seeing the world, and then then she you know then it's revealed to her in the the scene in Alexandria where yeah. she sees horror for the first time. I was going to talk to you which about again, that. I thought bit. was a bit superficial. I thought you might have thought yeah. that based think, on what you I said think, earlier. Yeah, I think there is a lot of thematic superficiality in the film. Mm, okay. I think there's been a lot of criticism leveled. Sorry, we've just sort of deviated from talking about the set design, but I'm going to do no, it. No, anyway. no, you're all right. We'll, um, we'll return to that. I think there's a lot of discourse on the film and its treatment of sort of femininity and yeah, you know okay. liberation. Yeah. Um. So the idea of liberation solely being through sort of sex, material possessions. Yeah. Okay. Um, and all that sort of stuff. And at first, I sort of like thought, nah, I'm not sure how I feel about that. Not yeah. to disregard it. Obviously, it's a very sort of yeah. You know, I think you've got to entertain any criticism. For the sake of discourse, yeah, I think yeah, to disregard, yeah. disregard it would be you know, stupid, even if you disagreed with it. But the more I thought about it, the more I could sort of understand the, the sort of validity of the criticism on the basis that, um, yeah, you know, it's this idea of female sexual liberation, but from the eyes of a of a, of a man. <laughs> yeah, because they are. I mean, they're prostitutes still, regardless of you know how okay with it they are yeah it's, there's a sort of socio-economic apparatus apparatus or apparatus mm, yeah. that has sort of put the, put those people in that position yeah. um yeah i didn't think i didn't think about that i was a bit but more just more broadly like you know this i mean the sex scenes i thought <laughs> mark ruffalo were quite funny they're hilarious mark ruffalo's just he, i he is you know he just he has sort of endeared himself to a lot of people as a very handsome man mm. but there's something sort of quite Obviously, he sees himself as this Lothario, his character. Yeah, but yeah. There's something sort of quite cute about him, and uh, it's just so strange <laughs> to see him be so dirty and uh, yeah, oh, weird. Yeah. But you know, the idea that you know it's it's this idea of liberate liberation still through a, a male lens, you know. Mm. And I think there's some validity to that criticism. I don't think that the sex scenes in the film are done with the intention of undermining it. I don't I don't think that no, there's any they're very but, frank, aren't they? They're, yeah, they're, they're yeah. just it's just a normal camera setup. Like there's no Austin Powers stuff going on where they're blocking <laughs> any nudity. Yeah. Like yeah. it's just he's filming it as if it was a conversation. Yeah. And that's yeah. classic Lanthimos. Like it's it, it's the most classic. awkward classic Lanthimos. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's you know the most kind of awkward and unusual and difficult stuff to watch. Uh, and he's just, you know, letting you watch it without yeah. cutting and I think the intention is genuine it's sort of like what we were saying before in the context of barbie because mm. uh, i think a lot of people have seen like a sort of a through line between these two films okay yeah um you know we talked about in the context of barbie oh, yeah. in terms of like you know regardless of what my grievances are with uh you know where the money goes and how much it's really going to impact or make any sort of the seismic changes that the film wants to make mm. you know greta gerwig's and everyone else's intentions are pure enough to, to sort of carry it through right and yeah. i think with L- lanthimos i don't think his intention is to like undermine her femininity or feminine growth or no but i think you know there is still a valid criticism there about the nature of you know how he has perceived this sort of journey of personal growth mm. um chiefly through the lens of thing you know, sex and, and and again I, and i'm sure sort of stumbling into territory i not, don't know very little about obviously i know loads about sex yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we both do man. yeah i mean look at my blu-ray collection for christ's sake if that doesn't tell you that i know loads about sex i don't know what will um you know but you know i just think um there is i, I think there is opportunity to obviously be empowered through that process but yeah i think Maybe the sort of detractors of that idea would probably be a little bit more sparing on the criticisms if it was a woman who directed it. Yeah, I think so. 
I think it is interesting that you bring that up because I suppose the uh, the idea, the whole conceit of the film is it's watching someone grow up, right? It's yeah, a coming-of-age yeah. story in a very bizarre and unusual way. And the only exposure to work she's ever given is as a sex worker. And that, you know, there could have been something else to be... And I, I don't know, there's some conversations she has about... You know, she wants Massive to improve ownership, dominance. Yeah, and she wants to improve the conditions, the working conditions for her kind of colleagues, and that is a kind of point in the film that's interesting. It's largely shot down, if I remember correctly, by yeah, the, the yeah. owner, who was also uh, an actress who I've re- I've recognised, but I can't remember. Yeah, where yeah, she is. yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, uh, but no, you're right. Maybe there could have been something more to her her introduction to the working world than just yeah yeah i think it's that sort of idea you know it's like because uh bella baxter's braid has been mm. swapped with that of her unborn child it's sort of the way children see the world so mm. you know children see things with such a sort of glaring simplicity because yes. they haven't been sort of indoctrinated by the sort of like demands of adult life the modern world yeah you know and the expectations around sort of relationships careers general behavior Mm. um and attitudes towards those things and i'm always it's always quite disarming you know when a kid says well why don't we just do this it's like really that the the sort of simplicity there's some there's something sort of quite nice about that that simplicity the view of seeing things and and being shocked by things like extreme poverty or suffering mm. you know I, I, i've seen it before where like you know you see like a parents walking their kids across the road and the kids are transfixed at, uh, like a homeless person for example yeah like yeah. a child will never understand how that how that's a thing yeah Yet as adults not that we, we want it to be a thing but there's you know we're sort of complicit in it because we don't do anything about it we mm. walk past them as we go to tesco to buy yeah. volavants or whatever yeah. you know like <laughs> yeah. so in the transition to adulthood we, we become more accepting of society's imperfections whereas children yeah. aren't yeah. and I and I thought that was quite an interesting way to approach it I just didn't think it was done that well okay, I think it yeah. was done well from Emma Stone's perspective as a, as, as the performance yeah. but I thought as, as, as the sort of script uh, I thought it was a bit contrived a bit lazy mm. um Lazy is probably a bit harsh, but I just didn't think it was it was particularly meaningful to me anyway. Yeah, it do, it doesn't have much. There's not much connection to her uh, her origin with it, really, because no. there's a circular thing. Is she yeah. goes back to Victorian? Like a, there's London. like a sort of class yeah. thing there. I just think could have been done more subtly. Yeah, um, it's reduced to a joke, and everyone starts calling her a whore at the end. Yeah, I do sort of remember that being a bit like. You have you've done this joke a few times now. Like, yeah. I get it, um, and like I mean the fact that her kind of the her husband from a previous life uses that as ammunition. Maybe that could be there's an argument there for its validity in the plot. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I didn't Again, think I think that. I think the intentions are pure. Like mm. I think to sort of say that they're not, you know, that they're sort of like deliberately undermining these things. I think is a bit harsh. But yeah. I but I do think that there is some validity to the criticism about that, mm. um, particularly with a lot of the sexual stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. It's just worth mentioning. I think there's a yeah. There's a bit. There's a f- fair few moments in it where it's used for humour. There's like children get bought into the brothel. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> I actually sort of just in the context of 
Lanthimos himself. That felt like a hark back to old Lanthimos. So Hannah said she'd heard about this scene and she, like, I mean, out of context, it's well shocking. It's yeah, horrible. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was watching it and I was waiting because she thought it got cut out and it, uh, and it hadn't. No. <laughs> and um, I, I kind of, afterwards I came home, I was like, it is in there, but it's it's kind of, the context does change it a lot yeah yeah it's it's, throw it's like a monty moment. python thing isn't it yeah i think of monty python with john cleese the class oh, teacher yeah, that's, yeah, that's immediately right. what i thought completely of. I like, yeah he brings his wife in doesn't he yeah yeah, yeah. that's uh yeah it's it's exactly like that it's that same kind of style of humor and i actually didn't have that much problem with that moment yeah really. and again i think that there are moments <coughs> where he does sort of like the whole idea of like supplanting a, a dead adult's brain with the brain of their unborn child is Fuck is on the on paper pretty mm. fucked up. Yeah, yeah. And again, that I think that speaks to that the the lingering the last vestiges of of Lanthimos's sort of darker <laughs> um, things. Yeah, 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 of course. And and the way he employs that in the, the Frankenstein ass. Yeah, he kind of he kind of weaves it with the traditional sort of Mary Shelley's take on Victorian London. And yeah, 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 he, yeah. He makes it completely acceptable quite quickly. Visually. Stunning. Beautiful. The That's one thing I will say... Yeah, go on. The black and white... I mean, this is coming from a guy who can barely fucking hold a camera properly, so... Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> I did a film degree. <laughs> um, a lot of the black and white photography was quite overexposed. Okay, yeah, did yeah, Did you not yeah. think that? Um, I, the light shining through, like there's one scene where yeah. like, the camera pans up and there's obviously a lot of windows and I thought, fucking hell, that's bright. Pretty overblown, yeah. Maybe um, deliberate, I assume, because obviously everyone there has far more knowledge about this shit than I am. But It probably is. I don't know. Maybe they just ran out of time. Like It, it could have been that. Um, <laughs> Make it look stylistic. Yeah, Fuck yeah. It. Put it in black and white. <laughs> I guess you could sort of get away with that when you're making a film like this. Black and white. Putting black and white on anything does... Uh, kind of give give the give off the impression of intention. Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah. when something go, goes wrong, like yeah, if yeah. you if like the camera operator sort of knocks the camera on a light box, put it in black and white, and it's sort of it's like quirky all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think obviously the intention with this is the black and white is meant to be uh, an indication that she is is not maturing and she's yeah, not being exposed yeah. to anything. Um, apart from direct sunlight through windows, uh, <laughs> and yeah, I didn't actually notice that, but I will give it another go because I'm probably going to watch all of his films again at some point. Um, yeah, I'm totally. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely one of those filmmakers. I think he's, you know, there's always there's always going to be a couple of people that haven't seen his films, and it's mm. quite a nice sort of film to sit with like a group of people in the living room and watch together. Yeah, yeah. Um, the skies are amazing in this film. I, that's why I liked the Lisbon stuff because uh, yeah. if nothing else, the skies are just in, so gorgeous i don't yeah, know what it was yeah, about yeah. the it look, looked like uh what you get inside um you know when you look at a bubble and there's a kind of rainbow sheen to everything yeah yeah uh, alex garland did it in annihilation it's that shimmer oh, shit yeah it's like that in the sky and it's so striking that even if you you're hating the film you kind of look at it and it's like like a screensaver <laughs> it's like quite <laughs> yeah. transfixing it means it yeah. is a stunningly beautiful yeah. film visually you know there's the set design i really like the set design on the ship I yeah that was my favorite yeah um that was nice sort of art deco-y sort of style yeah um, yeah yeah it's funny actually because i think uh i went with my friend alex you went with alfie obviously cinnaboy oh uh, I, d- uh, I went on my own sorry you didn't go with yeah. alfie but you've spoke to Alfie. he has yeah, yeah. i've spoken to alfie and they about both him, said yeah. something that is it's one of those things you think oh, i wish i thought of that yeah uh, but uh, <laughs> terry gilliam 
Inspiration. Uh, yes, yeah. Alfie did mention that it's yeah, uh, Alex too. Completely, you'd be livid if I didn't mention it. Oh well, we have to. Yeah, we, of course. And yeah. they are right as well. There's that sensibility. There's the off the off kilter thing, which is yeah. becoming his. Well, is his sort of anamorphic lenses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fish eye. Yeah, yeah. Showing you literally every every inch of that set is. You know, getting warped and distorted as as the camera's moving through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very space. dynamic, actually. Yeah, yeah. Which is kind of like what he's, he did in the favorite. Oh, um, the favorite's full of it. Yeah, and he is again. I think he just loves Victorian English architecture. Yeah, yeah. Or, and and Edwardian, and you know these kind of baroque country houses. He's yeah, just, yeah, he's yeah. Fascinated by it. Um, clearly, and he and he wants to show it to you even in in a scene that's chiefly concerned with. Emma Stone hitting s- someone, or yeah, yeah, <laughs> just like being a child. Like he's so fascinated with it. Um, yeah, I love the design of. Uh, I want to call him Frankenstein. He's not. It's Willem Dafoe, who's great in it, by the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, his house was really interesting. That was yeah, bit. brilliant. Yeah, very cool. Um, I liked Lisbon. <laughs> I yeah, did I like mean, the I, way I, it looked. from a visual standpoint. I mean, it's hard to sort of argue how. That it, how good it looked. Mm, yeah, I just I don't know. Like I think I thought the film was sort of leaning into the sort of fairy tale aspect. But again, it is mm. you know it's a fantasy film, so maybe I should just sort of pipe down really on that regard. But no, no. I just thought the yeah. new the stuff with I keep saying New York. The stuff with London was like a nice balance between the two, and that worked yeah. better for me than that sort of full blown sort of like sets. Yeah. Know. Oh, they were. They did become sets. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think London was a mixture of like blue screen location filming and like set extensions which are quite because a lot of London is still very you know the architecture hasn't changed that much no, it's no. just been built on so you can do that in London but I imagine Lisbon has probably got levelled and rebuilt or whatever so yeah I'm not sure it's I've never been so, no yeah. no me neither uh, yeah um, uh, Willem, yeah no as I said Willem Dafoe's great in this as well um, there's a quite a complex but quite funny scene of him getting diagnosing himself with cancer oh yeah yeah uh, and he, he gets he's He's got this sort of an- anaesthetic breathing apparatus, and he's getting operated on, and he just looks down. And he's like, "Yep, gonna die." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, just quite yeah. interesting. Um, there's a great, there's a f- hilarious joke as well. I mean, it's not the joke itself is really broad. It's when she gives all the money away. Oh yeah, on the yeah. boat. But he, Mark Ruffalo's reaction is so yeah, funny, yeah. so priceless. It's, it's a departure from the Ruffalo that we're sort of used to. I mean, yeah, obviously he was the Hulk. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> probably one of the more sort of entertaining characters, I guess, in that sense. But you know, thinking about him in stuff like uh, what's that fucking Gus Van Sant film about? Pans, pots and pans. How they're slowly killing us. Dark all. waters. Dark waters. It wasn't Gus Van Sant, but uh, oh no, it's um, Todd Haynes. Haynes. Yeah, Why yeah those yeah. two guys mixed up. I oh, don't. Don't worry. Uh, Fuck. I, should, I, should, I don't I know what the hell's going on there. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> we don't, we've done this before. We've got. Met, we've made mistakes, and we look like idiots. <laughs> so no, I'd, I'd rather we acknowledged it and have to sort of like. Maybe re- I'm wrong. Maybe it is Van Sant. Uh, no, I'm pretty sure. You. I think you're right. I yeah. think it's Todd Haynes. I'm gonna have to fucking Google it now. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. It is Todd Haynes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're but, right. He's playing. You know. I mean, he's in Spotlight. Oh yeah. He, that, again, those two films are very similar. Yes. It's yeah. Sort of like you know, like. Uh, like a small sort of collection of people trying to undo like a deeply entrenched sort of industrial power, yeah, or, yeah. or an ideological theological power in terms of a spotlight, spotlight yeah. But you know, like uh, this plucky sort of sour-faced but still cute 
Yeah. Underdog. Exactly. Leading, leading this gallant charge. Quietly being Charge a- of the Light Brigade, you know, <laughs> into, into certain death. Um, yeah, no, quite, quietly being a fantastic actor. But yeah, not, great in both films, yeah. But not nearly... Not standout great, though, just sort of, like, functionally great. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, he's the same in Zodiac as well. He's just playing a character oh, yeah. really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I do really like Mark Ruffalo. Uh, I do. It's hard not to like him. Yeah, yeah. Completely. And in a way, like, I say in the last episode, I get fucking annoyed with the Tom Hanks thing. He, th- there's definitely potential for Ruffalo to, to be that, but I, mm. I think he's a bit more selective with the choices of the films he's made. Yeah. Uh, not afraid to be a supporting role. Still, no, no. Like, and you know. I think he probably avoids that. Yeah. Knowingly. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. He seems like a nice bloke. <laughs> you don't really see, we've not seen Hanks, like, go full nude in a sex scene, have we? No. No. Ruffalo's up for it though apart from the uh, uh, deleted scenes of Safe and Private Ryan I don't know, <laughs> know what I'm saying um, <laughs> yeah I, I think yeah insists on doing the Homer Beach sequence naked yeah and Spielberg had to shoot it again yeah, yeah, with the, a body the, double a fight over it yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a big falling out big falling out actually yeah. started shooting in 1991 yeah it was didn't come out till 98 Unbelievable. Yeah, if they got Ruffalo, he would have been up for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would have said, "No, I'll be, I'll do this clothed, Mister Spielberg." Yeah, because yeah, that's yeah. what you want. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all about America's dad. Yeah, his yeah. cock flopping on the beach. <laughs> um, um, yeah. I don't know how we've ended up there. No, uh, um, Ruffalo is is a standout. It, watch it for him, if nothing else. Um, yeah, he, he he's brilliant. And again, like Stone's great too. Like I think she's obviously very comfortable working with Lanthimos because obviously with the favourite, mm. um, they seem to have a really good working relationship. She obviously trusts yeah. him implicitly. Yeah, uh, she obviously buys the stuff that a lot of people that have been critical about the film sort of feminine elements. She buys it totally. Yeah, a standard bearer for that. Mm, yeah. Um, so. You know, I, you know. I think you can tell that she's very comfortable, and it's just sort of thematically in with the people that are around her. Um, yeah, yeah. Great actress. I mean, there's no doubt. I like the choices she makes in the films, and considering where she started out in sort of like uh, sort of those American Super comedies, yeah, sort of that easy, style, yeah. and that's sort yeah. of easy to stay in. That it's really hard to yeah. break out of it's that. Like and Sean William Scott's kind of stayed. In yeah, that, yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> it, uh, but you know, fucking can be good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, they they've all got the chops. It's just you know um, about to say about their agents. Yeah, possibly. Um, and it's just an easier book, I guess. You can't do a Southland Tales every time and expect to get a fucking paycheck. Can you? Yeah, no, exactly. Because yeah. even though we both like the movie, you know, it's you know, it's not necessarily a sort of fiscally. It's going to be a while before that turns even a profit, if if ever. Yeah, it has, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, yeah, she's good. Obviously, Defoe's really good. Uh, yeah. Again, someone you expect, someone that's more than comfortable in like, you know, slightly more uh, unconventional narratives. You know, he's, mm. you know, stuff with Eggers and yeah, he's got a long career yeah. of doing weird shit when he when he fancies it. So comfortable in that. Yeah, three great performances. And again, like you know, as much as I think some of the thematic ele- elements are sort of superficial and misguided, the Lanthimos effect is strong and it is entertaining. It is mm. funny. It's beautifully put together. My grievances aside, I would still recommend the movie and still say that I enjoyed it. Yeah, I think um, so. I'd just be hesitant to say that it was a celebration of the things that I think it wants to be. Okay, yeah, um, yeah, that's fair enough. But overall, I still enjoyed it. Yeah, no, I did as well. I, I, I get it was the the childlike stuff at the beginning was hard for me to watch. See, I, I quite like the way they lead into that. Okay, I, yeah, I felt yeah. that it was that was more like the Lanthimos of old. Right. Okay. For yeah. me, 
And I, and I understand that you can't sort of hold on to these things. You have to accept that filmmakers are going to try different things and mm. they probably should. Because I'd probably be sat here moaning that it was too much of the same if he didn't. So, like, you yeah, can't yeah. fucking please anyone, including, my, <laughs> including myself. But, you know, I, I just really liked that first bit. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, yeah. I wasn't so keen on it. No, no, fair enough. But, uh, yeah. Um, Boring you, am I? <laughs> right, that's it. It's over. Cinnaboys to Cinnamen is fucking over. <laughs> Cinnamen back to Cinnaboys again. Yeah. No, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's not... I think it's unusual enough and it, it kind of doesn't lean on the style too, too much. Like, the unusual nature of it benefits the film. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, it, Although largely, 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 yeah. Like I agree with you actually. That bit where she discovers that there that there's wealth inequality was like, uh, you know, either lean into that a bit more or don't include it at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the the whole, idea of like nihilism, like that character. I forgot the actor's name, but he represents a sort of nihilistic worldview that's like, yes, you know, the world's fucked and there's not a lot you can do about it. And he really wants to sort of quash her childlike enthusiasm for sort of making the world a better place mm, yeah I don't know to me that was just like whatever <laughs> you know like I don't know it, it felt a bit shoehorned in to me yeah I'm thinking he was maybe, quite good in it though I have no yeah problem, yeah you know, that, no that whole thing again the performances across the board are great you know they meet, they meet her them on the boat don't they yeah uh, yeah and she kind of befriends them much to Mark Ruffalo's chagrin yeah um, I like the the whole uh Sexual liberation thing. I was. I kept thinking about. Uh, have you ever seen any adaptations or read uh, Fanny Hill? No. It's kind of like uh, there was something about that section which reminded me of that, and okay. I haven't. I haven't read it at all. I think I watched a BBC adaptation of it some okay. years, but years ago. But it stuck with me in a sense of, uh, you know, a, a woman kind of finding a, a brothel as a sort of place of liberation. Uh, oh, okay. So maybe there's a, a connection there by a chap called John Cleland but uh, it it's entered that you know Victorian literature okay. realm and yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel like it uh, some kind of connection there yeah yeah okay. uh, maybe the author of Poor Things had a reverence for that material yeah, yeah, or just wanted to reference it and like he did with Frankenstein sort of re- reshape it to his yeah, own, yeah. to his will which is I think is commendable um, yeah yeah I liked that yeah it, yeah. Was, it was very sort of reminiscent of sort of universal monster films of the 30s that mm, which I'm yeah. you know if done tastefully I'm all for and it was yeah yeah definitely yeah, yeah very good Aww. outro outro questing the cinematic void there we have it then then there. <laughs> <laughs> I thought no, no. <laughs> uh, enjoyed that yes interested to see what he does next same. Oh, big I feel time. like when you say that it's, it's sort of, kind of like a, almost like a catchphrase for us. Now. I'm interested to see. <laughs> interested what he to does see what he does next. I'm not interested to see what he does next. I'm never watching anything else that he's. No, he's I'm making. never watching films again. I'm sacking it off. Yeah, yeah. Let's... I'm going to dedicate my time to something else. Minecraft. Lacrosse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <The> yeah. <laughs> um, Spelunking. Yeah. Spelunking or spelonging? Spelunking. Is spelunking. It the cave diving. Oh, thing. fucking who cares? Yeah. Seems like a pointless pursuit to me. <laughs> I am the most unadventurous man in the world, so <laughs> there are fucking tortoises with more adventure than me. Yeah, no. Um, Good film. Last one. <laughs> yeah. Great movie. Yeah. Um, seek it out. Go and watch it. Out. It doesn't, you know, it's doing very well on its own. It doesn't necessarily need us to sing its praises for no, the, no. the purposes of revenue. Uh, but oh no, you could argue that box office figures and our opinions are intrinsically linked. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, 
No, yeah, you're right. Doing well. Interested to see how it does in the Oscar. Not that I really give a shit, but it seems to be doing quite well in the awards. Um, yes. I hope Emma Stone gets some recognition. Um, has she won an Oscar? Did she win one for La La Land? Or did she lose that one? Oh, I'm not sure. I can't remember if she's won an Oscar or not. Mm. She's definitely been nominated a fair few times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, um, I fucking hell, I don't really care about the Oscars. I mean, it's very rare that I think, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Obviously, I keep, I keep abreast with it because it's in my interest too. Mm, yeah. Um, but um, the idea of awards for that kind of thing, I always find a bit weird. But. I think you might have talked about this before, about the fact that it's it's the industry itself that's just giving itself praise. Yeah, yeah, in a, yeah. In a funny way, rather than it being like an impartial vote. Yeah. Which... It's just strange. Like, I mean, I guess it's like one of those things, like obviously people that are in it should have some say in it, I guess. But mm. the sort of opposite to that would be letting the general public decide and... I'm not so sure I'm comfortable with that idea on the basis of seeing like what people review films on Amazon. Like you yeah. look at like Steven Seagal films, like four point seven out of five. <laughs> yeah, Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, like yeah. this is. I mean, don't be wrong. I love a Seagal movie, but you, you lot are pushing it. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, moving on. Mm. Next week, actually, next week. Yes. Or maybe watching it this week and recording it. I don't know. It uh, shattered the we'll illusion. We've yeah, shattered yeah. our weekly illusion. <laughs> the holdovers. Yes. Alexander Payne. Uh, return to form for him after a bit of a dud. After, uh, what was it called? Little At, People or something. I was talking about it earlier. Uh, uh, downsizing. Downsizing. Little Which, People. Fucking hell. Oh. I, I think I saw like 10 minutes of it and was like, oh no, maybe I just saw the trailer. I can't remember and thought that looks wank. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and, I, and I know you shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but I think a few people that I trust watched it and were like, no, don't. It's fucking shit. Yeah, so, Alf, Alfie. I mean, Alfie was disappointed by it because... Of the uh, of his sort of reverence for Alexander Payne, like he's yeah, a huge yeah. fan. Yeah, he's great. Um, I mean, Sideways mm. is fucking brilliant. Yeah, Sideways, One Nebraska, of, a brilliant film. Nebraska's great. Yeah, um, even at the Descendants, it's not his strongest, but it's watchable. Oh, I liked it. Yeah, um, and um, the Reese Witherspoon one. Matthew Broderick. Election. Election. Yeah, Very good yeah. too. Yeah, no. He's got it. He's definitely got it in him and he's proved that time and time again. But I, it's funny how, you know, you only need one to derail your career, don't you? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it can take years and years for you to get back on your yeah, feet. The way you're going to claw yourself back up in this case is with Paul Giamatti. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Working with him again. Yeah, yeah. Which is great. Um, Love Paul. I like Paul G. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm looking forward to this one because uh, of the way it was shot. Uh, I'll go into it in more detail next Ooh, week. But uh, nice. if you watch it, it looks like a you know they've added grain and real grain and real texture to it, like quite overtly. So it looks like a night shot in the seventies. And even the trailer is kind of like a yeah yeah it did have that back vibe. to like an Ealing comedy or something. Oh right, okay, yeah, nice. And um, but it was filmed digitally, so mm. be interested to see how well Cheeky. it holds up in on the big screen. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if if I can spot any times in which I, I'm like that's not a film artifact. You could only <laughs> that technique could only be achieved digitally. Yeah. Well, mate, we've we've actually missed your sort of criti- your sort of uh, technical <laughs> slot in the in the in the podcast this year. So it'll be back with with a vengeance. With a vengeance, yeah, mm. let's bring it back. Yeah, <laughs> right, nice. In the meantime, thank you for listening. Thank you very much. Take it easy and look after yourselves. See you soon. Bye bye.